You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. This is my fifth lesson on the book of Colossians. We did a couple weeks back in June. And this will be the third one this month, and we will have one more. I won't be teaching next month, or next month. I won't be teaching next week because we will be warming up for the cantata. Looking forward to that, amen. Looking forward to that. That's always such a blessing. But I will be teaching the last month. There's five weeks in this month, so I will be teaching the last week of this month. But it has been a blessing. I enjoy teaching. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to teach. You know, and if you've never taught before, you don't really know how much work it is to prepare a lesson, but it is a lot of work to prepare a lesson. Every time I do it, I have respect for a pastor who's had to do it every week for years and years and years and years. A lot of times, a couple of weeks, sometimes he does three a week. So praise the Lord for all the faithful pastors that are out there preparing lessons to feed the flock every single Sunday. And praise the Lord for the other Sunday school teachers and even the people who teach the kids. Praise the Lord for all the people that are willing to teach to allow the ministry of Christ to go forth. Okay, so just a, we only, review's not going to be too long today because we only made it through two points last week, but the two points that we covered were salvation brings immediate change and God's grace is enough. So in our first point, we saw that salvation brings immediate change and all we did was look at, we looked at how when a believer gets truly born again, how it does for sure produce immediate change, how it's such an extreme transformation in that person's life or in that person's life, from darkness to light, you know, from the power of Satan to the power of God, how it's just such a drastic transformation. And that drastic transformation, you know, we obviously receive the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. And that Holy Spirit starts to produce a change in our life immediately. So we saw how salvation brings immediate change in our life. The second point we looked at was how God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. We saw that Paul pointed out to the Colossians um, that they understood the truth of God's grace. He pointed it out and he says, you had understood the truth of God's grace. And the truth of God's grace is that there's no special prayer that we can pray. There's no special rituals that we can do. You know, all the religions in the world are trying to inherit salvation of their souls through some false way other than grace. But Paul said to the Colossians, he said, you have understood the truth of God's grace. You know, there's no, there's no good works that you can do to inherit God's grace. It is a gift from God, and it has to be a gift from God, because there's nothing that we could do. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to inherit the grace of God. There's no possible way. So Paul said, you have understood the truth of God's grace, and that truth is that grace is enough. It is it is, our fa- it is God's grace that saves us because of our faith in him. And that brings us to where we are today, which we are going to start off in verse 7. We're going to read Colossians 1, 7. And that says, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. So up to this point in our text, Paul has been giving thanks for the things that God has been doing in the church at Colossae. And he credits, he credits these amazing things that the Lord has been doing in this church. He credits that to their pastor, 
or their minister, Epaphras, who has been faithful in teaching and nourishing this church in their faith. And I want to focus on that last phrase that Paul says there in that verse. And he says, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ? That will bring us to our first point today, which is being faithful to your calling. Being faithful to your calling. Here in this pulse, here in this verse, Paul gives Epaphras the title of a faithful minister. The title of a faithful minister. You know, Paul was not the kind of man to throw around the title of being faithful to anybody, was he? I mean, if you consider the Apostle Paul's life and what he went through and the sufferings that he endured for the cause of Christ, he considered himself faithful to the Lord. He knew what it required and what it was to be faithful to the Lord. And he says to Epaphras, he has been a faithful minister of Christ. What an honor to be called a faithful minister of Christ from Paul. God had called Epaphras to pastor the church at Colossae and teach them the truth of God's word. And we see by Paul's statement that he was being faithful to the calling that God had given him. So the question I want us to ask ourselves today is, are we being faithful as Epaphras was to the calling that God has given us in our lives? Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at verse 44 through 46. Matthew chapter 24. And if I forget to tell you to turn back to Colossians, when we keep reading Colossians, just do it. Okay, because I'm probably going to forget to tell you to turn back to it. So just turn back to Colossians when I say we're moving on. <laughs> I thought that this morning. I was like, I'm for sure going to tell him. I'm going to forget to tell him to turn back. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 44 through 46. And it says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. This is talking about the second coming of Christ. In such an hour as ye think not. So this obviously says, you know what? You're not going to know when the Lord returns, right? You have no idea. No man knoweth the day nor the hour. Even Jesus Christ said himself, I do not know when I'm coming back. Only God knows the day or the hour that I shall return for my people. When he comes to catch his bride away, the trump of God shall sound. It's going to be an amazing day, isn't it? Praise the Lord. We cannot wait for the rapture. Verse 45 says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant who his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Jesus puts this verse in the form of a question because he wants us to look at this and he's asking this to everyone. He wants us to look at this verse, ask ourselves this, this question and consider and contemplate ourselves. Are we a wise and faithful servant? This verse is simply, what Jesus is saying is that the master has given the servant certain duties and responsibilities while he is down here on earth to take care of. God has given all of us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ certain duties and responsibilities <clears throat> that he wants us to take care of for him. Right? This is talking about a master that is away and has entrusted his work to his servant. God has entrusted his work to us to go into all the world, teach all nations, and make disciples. 
That is, that, that is just an all-encompassing part, but everything falls underneath that. But God has entrusted us with his work. We are supposed to be that faithful servant, that ruler over the household. What Jesus is saying, this verse is simply an illustration to represent all believers and the calling that God has placed in our lives to be faithful to the Lord in every task that he has given us to do. Verse 46 says, Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Jesus is saying that this servant that he finds faithful when he returns will be blessed. Blessed is the servant. I don't know about you, but when the Lord returns, I want to be found being faithful to my Lord. And you know what that's going to require for you and me to do since we don't know when the Lord is going to return? It's going to require a continual and constant serving of our Lord so that we, the Bible talks about being ready, right? So that we are ready for his return. We know that we are pleasing the Lord here today in our life. Whatever he is called to, whatever we are doing, we are doing it for the Lord so that when he comes, he can find us being faithful. Whether it's sitting in church, in Sunday school, and I am so thankful for everybody that comes to Sunday school. I tell you what, I am so thankful. I know it is a sacrifice to come to Sunday school. You know, you, you know those who've been faithful to Sunday school for years, you know, you're like, oh, it's just, you know, and, and you know, the pastor thinks, you know, and... It's just, it's just one hour earlier. Just get up one hour earlier and get to church one hour earlier. And you know, it's, it, it really isn't that big of a deal. But I often think to myself, when we, when we start choir practice at 4 o'clock in the afternoon instead of 5 o'clock, I'm like, man, that one hour is a big difference. It's really hard. It's really hard to get to choir. It's a lot harder to come to choir practice at 4 o'clock than it is at 5 o'clock for me. I'm like, it's just one hour, but man, it feels like such a big difference. So what happens, all that happens is we get acclimated to do, doing something a certain way, and we form a habit doing something that's not right. And then once we do that, it's really hard to break that habit. So if we had choir practice at 4 o'clock every Sunday, it would be no big deal. So that was not in my lesson, but that's just a side note. Okay, where was, where was I? We want to be found faithful doing what the Lord has called us to. The only thing that I can think that would be better than hearing the Apostle Paul tell me that I have been a faithful servant would be hearing the Lord Jesus Christ tell me that I had been his faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, is I hope what we will all hear from the Lord. Are we being faithful servants in our life? Are we being faithful to the calling that God has placed? on our life. There are many things that God has given us to be faithful to. First and foremost, he's asked us to be faithful to his word and to him, right? To him and his word. Everything else is a subset of that. Everything else falls underneath that category, being faithful to the Lord and to his word. God's universal calling for every believer's life is to be faithful to obey the teachings of his word. As we know, God also has a specific calling for all of our lives, and that's what God has specifically asked us to do. None of our specific callings are the exact same, okay? You can go to the same job with the same person every day and do the same work, but your guys, your callings aren't the exact same. From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, you live different lives, you come in contact with different people, different, different life situations and circumstances surround, surround you, 
God's calling for every person is unique for that person. We all have a specific calling from God on our lives. Some of these specific callings could include things such as being a mother, and that is a high calling. And I thank the Lord for all the mothers in here. That is a difficult thing. But being a mother, God could call you to be a mother or be a father. Being an employee of a company or being the owner of a company. Being a pastor, being a missionary, being a school teacher, being in the armed forces, right? God calls some people to serve in the armed forces, absolutely. It's not just an escape for all those rebellious teenagers. <laughs> that often doesn't work out so well for them. All right, God calls some people to go into the armed forces. Being a politician, God calls some people to be a politician, doesn't he? And, you know, I know politicians get a bad rap a lot of times, and that's for a lot of good reasons, but I am, for one, very thankful for the faithful men and women that we have serving in our government today. And we need more of them. If God called you to be a, a politician, you need to be faithful to that. And what an area that, what an area that God can use you to minister, right? In that swamp. God could, we could really use some more faithful politicians. Being a bus worker, a junior church teacher, on and on we could go. God has designed specific callings for every one of our lives, and this includes all of the different duties and responsibilities that we have to fulfill in our lives every single day. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Are we bringing God glory in everything that we're doing every single day? Are we bringing him glory? A lot of things that we do every day, we are, not bringing the, we are not bringing glory to God in it. We don't even have that mindset. I mean, if we could just have the mindset, if we could just always keep it in our minds, okay, I am doing this for the glory of God. How can I bring God glory through this? That would really transform the way that we think, which would in turn transform the way that we act. We are doing this for the glory of God. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Serve one another. If you are a mother and a wife, your responsibility is to serve your husband and your kids. If you are a husband, your responsibility is to serve and minister to your wife and your kids. If you are an employee, you are to minister and serve your boss and your fellow co-workers. I tell you what, a lot of employees don't have that view about their boss or their co-workers, or do they? It's all about them. They're in it, they're in it, they're there to collect a paycheck and get out of it whatever they can get out of it. They don't have the mindset of, I am here to minister and serve not only my boss, but my fellow co-workers. And for me, if you're in a line of work like I am, which is construction, I am in personal contact with the homeowner every single day. So I also am there to minister and serve to the homeowner of whose house I am working on. If we could just keep that, we are there to minister and serve. If you are a school teacher, you would minister and serve to the kids you're teaching. If you are in the armed forces, you are minister and serve your fellow comrades and your country. If you are a missionary, you're, you are to minister and serve those people on your mission field. We serve God by serving others, no matter what the specific calling is that God has given us in our life to do. No matter what God has given us to do, we are to serve the Lord in that, and we serve God by serving others. 
A lot of times we are discontent with the calling that God has asked us to do in our lives. We are discontent with where God has us. So a lot of times we really can't avoid the situations or circumstances or the responsibilities that we find ourselves in, and we're very discontent with that. So, you know, we stomp around like that little bratty kid who says, I'm doing it on the outside, but I'm not doing it on the inside. You know? And our kids do, we, we see that on our kids' faces. I see that on my kids' faces all the time. But, you know, we get that same look on our faces. We do the exact same thing. We act like, our, we act like children so many times. We're like, Lord, I'm going to do this because I have to, but I don't want to. And I just want everybody to know it. So we go around complaining with bad attitudes, telling everyone how horrible our life is. No, that is not looking how you can minister and serve other people. That is being totally and completely consumed and concerned with yourself. And I am guilty of that, and I know many of us are guilty of doing that same thing. So, are we being faithful to the calling God has for our lives? Faithfulness is defined as firmly adhering to one's duty, loyal, true to one's allegiance, constant in the performance of duties and service, staying true, staying true. The evidence of a faithful man is someone who doesn't quit when the going gets tough. He perseveres, he presses on, he doesn't give up. Life is not easy, is it? Life is not easy. And I know some people's lives are harder than others, and some people have trials that are deeper and greater than others, but we all have trials. We all have things that we struggle with. You know, different life situations and circumstances that we go through can make being faithful very difficult. Trials that we go through, as I said, are just, there are just some fiery, fiery trials that some people go through, and it can make being faithful to the Lord so difficult. There are people, right? There are people that can really make being faithful to the Lord difficult. Satan loves to put things in our way, whether it's, whether it's other people or trials or whatever he can bring into our lives to get us to stumble. He loves to do that. Satan does not want us to be faithful. He does everything he can to get us to fall away from the Lord and be unfaithful. Despite all these things, despite all these hard things that we go through, despite all these things that make it so difficult to be faithful, God still requires us to be faithful, right? We don't have an excuse. The Bible says it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 2 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. That fight of faith, that is a good fight that God has given you. That is a righteous fight that God has given you to fight. That fight of faith. And praise the Lord, he will be there right beside you to help you fight that fight. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Don't say you can't do it. Don't say, I can't be faithful. My life situations or my life circumstances are just too hard. Nobody understands. I don't, know, I don't understand anyone that has to go through the exact same thing as I do. Well, I guarantee you that the sufferings of Christ were at least and more extreme than the sufferings that you are going to, going through. He understands, so we can go to him. Don't say that you can't do it, because we've all heard the saying, if God has called you to it, he will get you what? He will get you through it. If God has called you to it, he's going to get you through it. 
1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The word vain in this verse is the Greek word kinos, and it depicts something that is empty, void, or wasted. Something that is empty, void, or wasted. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This verse is God's promise that anything that we do for him is never a waste. Often we are tempted to think that nobody cares about what we're doing. Nobody notices what we're doing. Or, 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 or a temptation that Satan often brings is what I'm doing doesn't really matter. Right? What, 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 I'm doing all this work. I'm serving the Lord. I'm trying to be faithful. And I just see no fruit. I don't, I don't see how this is going to matter. Well, we know that from Scripture that often we reap in a different season than we sow, don't we? And sometimes that reaping doesn't come till after we're dead. And we have heard testimonies and stories of people that have reaped on the mission field and haven't seen any fruit, but then after their death, later, many years later, the fruit of their labor was produced and it was shown and people could see the fruit of their labor. Well, God's word does not lie and he says that he will bless us if we are faithful and he will bless the work of our hands. Even if we do not see the fruit of our labor, God is still blessing us for being faithful. And, he, and a lot of times it is because he produces that fruit in a different season than when it is sown. It is such a blessing to see fruit sown in a ministry that you are doing when you are being faithful to God and serving God, to see that fruit right away. That is so encouraging and that, that keeps us going, right? But when the going gets tough is when you don't see that fruit, when you don't see how what you're doing really matters. That's when we really need to cling to the Lord and realize that if he has called us to it, he's going get to th- get us through it, and he will reward our efforts of being faithful. It is not vain. Thy labor is not in vain. It is not wasted. Everything that we do for the Lord will be laid to our account. Being faithful to your calling. All right, let's go ahead and go back to the Colossians. Yes, I remembered. All right, let's go back to Colossians, and we're going to look at verse 8. Colossians 1.8. Colossians 1.8 says, Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, Paul just got done talking about Epaphras, right? He said he was a faithful minister, and then he says, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Paul is simply saying here that Epaphras had informed him of the church's spiritual condition. It was probably at that same time that Epaphras had shared with Paul his concerns over the false doctrines that were coming into the church. Now, I'm not sure if Epaphras requested Paul to write this letter to the church or if Paul just felt prompted by the Lord to write this letter. But obviously, Epaphras was in contact with Paul because he said, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So as a result of, of, of how he was in contact with Paul, the letter to the Colossians was born. Okay. So, 
I don't know if Epaphras was in contact with Paul through letters, which is what we would assume that it was, is that it was through letters. He was writing letters back and forth to Paul when he was in prison. I don't know if that's how he was in contact, because this doesn't necessarily say here in this passage if that's how he was in contact with him, or if he actually visited him in prison. You, you know, we would, we would assume it was probably through letters, but there is an interesting verse that is in Philemon, and it is Philemon 1.23. And if you remember Philemon, Philemon was the one who hosted the church at Colossae in his home, okay? So he obviously was in close personal contact and had a personal relationship with Epaphras. So this letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, he says in Philemon 1.23, he says, There salute Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Hmm. My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. We see four times in Paul's epistles where he specifically calls himself a prisoner of Christ. Once in Ephesians and three times in the letter to Philemon. Paul also calls himself such things as the prisoner of the Lord, an ambassador in chains. He also talks about being in bonds, right? Being in his bonds. And he talks about his state as a prisoner. These are all mentioned in what we call Paul's prison epistles. And this would be Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Every time that Paul uses one of these phrases, you know, one of those phrases, a prisoner of the Lord, a prisoner of Christ, talks about his bonds being a prisoner, it was because he was literally in prison, guys. He was literally in prison when he uses all these phrases. This isn't just to say, this isn't just a, an, an allegory or he's not using this as an example to explain something else. No, he was literally in prison when he said these things. Paul calls Epaphras his fellow prisoner in Christ. So I believe this means one of two things. I believe either Epaphras had been previously imprisoned with Paul for, for some time, so that's either what it was, or Epaphras had visited Paul in prison, and Paul was making maybe just like a play on words saying, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner. You know, like, he came and visited me in prison. He was my fellow prisoner. He was with me for, for a while. He stayed with me there. You know, I don't, I don't know for sure. I don't know if he was really imprisoned with Paul previously or if he had just visited Paul in prison for some time. Obviously, the church at Colossae would have known what he was talking about, whether Epaphras was in prison with Paul or just visiting him, but I don't know for sure. But I thought that was, I thought that was interesting how, how Paul called Epaphras a fellow prisoner in Christ. So either way, it seems obvious that um, Epaphras had visited Paul personally, okay? It wasn't just through letters that he was in contact with Paul. He had seen Paul personally, and perhaps it was at that time that he had spent with Paul that he shared his concerns and Paul was prompted to write that letter, either by the suggestion of Epaphras or the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's look at verse 9. Let's look at verse 9. It says, Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In this verse, Paul reveals his strong love and burden to see the Colossians come to an accurate and full knowledge of spiritual things an accurate and full knowledge of spiritual things. Paul tells him in this verse, I do not cease to pray for you. I do not cease. What Paul is telling them is that you are always on my mind and in my prayers. You are always on my mind and in my prayers. You know, 
And what I believe this did for the Colossian church, and Paul said that to many of the people that he wrote to, right? He said, I'm always praying for you in many of his letters to the churches. But what I believe that that would have done for the Colossian church, what I know it probably would have done for me is when Paul said, listen, you are always in my prayers. That would have helped me to realize, you know what? Paul really cares about me. He is always thinking about me, you know, because he's always praying for me. If he's always praying for me, I'm always on his mind. He really cares about my spiritual well-being. He really loves us. You know what? Even though Paul wasn't able to be there in person, I believe that through Paul expressing how much he cared for them and how often he prayed for them, that this would have just helped the church at, Col at Colossae and Paul to kind of knit their hearts a little bit and it would have showed them that he really, really cares about them and their well-being. And I think that this is important because Paul was addressing a lot of false doctrines that the Colossians were believing. And you know, when you, when you believe in a specific doctrine and someone tries to correct that doctrine and be like, no, 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 that's not right, what's the first thing we do? Whoa, whoa, I think I know what I'm talking about. You know, we get really defensive when it comes to the teachings of Scripture and what we believe and wanting to defend our position, which is good if you have the right position to defend that position. But sometimes, you know, we can believe things that aren't quite accurate or have the wrong positions on things. And if there is a better position that the Lord actually wants us to hold that the Scripture is actually teaching, we need to be willing to hear that. And, you know, I don't think there's any more trustworthy source to hear that from than Paul himself. So, I believe that this would have, telling the Colossians that he's always praying for them, would have just, you know, it would have tenderized them a little bit to realize that Paul really does care for them. He took the time to write them a letter. He's always praying for them, thinking about them. You know, he really cares about them. And it would have made them a little bit more receptive to what Paul was getting ready to tell them in the book of Colossians. Colossians 1.9. The last part of this verse says, well, let's just read the whole verse, Colossians 1.9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The last part of this verse mentions three things, okay? It talks about knowledge, the knowledge of his will, knowledge wisdom, and understanding. Nine times these things appear in the exact same verse throughout Scripture, where all these appear together in the same verse. And then, obviously, hundreds of times they appear separately. Either there's two of them in one verse, or they're just by themselves. And a lot of those times are actually in the book of Proverbs, where it talks a whole bunch. And we know Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It talks a whole bunch about knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But, Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding are not all the same things. A lot of times it seems like the Bible is kind of using these interchangeably, but they're not the same things. Yes, they do have similar, similar characteristics one from another, but they are not all the same things. I'm just going to give you, in closing here, I'm just going to give you a brief explanation of what each one of these are, and then we will get into more detail about these three things, about these three things, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom in a couple weeks. But just a brief explanation. Knowledge is the simplest, knowledge in its simplest form is just information that we know. 
information that we know. It is just facts by themselves. Facts by themselves. Understanding, understanding is when we understand the knowledge that we have. Understanding is what happens when facts are explained. We now have understanding of that knowledge. Wisdom. Wisdom is taking the knowledge and understanding that we have been given of the facts and allowing them to guide us in making the best possible choices in life. That, those are all just brief definitions of, of those three things. So, similar but not the same. We will get into more detail in that in a couple weeks. But that is it for today. So let's, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.